0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at LifeHouseChurch.org. Well, Happy New Year. I have a question I want to ask you right now. What do you do when the thing that you are counting on is not adding up. When when the thing that you are counting on all of a sudden can no longer be counted on. Look, it's a, it's a brand new year, so so maybe you're, you're, you're counting on the pounds that you're going to lose already. Maybe you're counting on the resolutions to bring you the results that you need for this upcoming year. Maybe you're counting the days that you're going to save and you're going to rest and you're going to go on vacation. Or you're counting on the money that you're going to make and you're counting on the money that you're going to save, but what if the thing that we're banking on is just leaving us more bankrupt? Maybe when I said Happy New Year, there was a little bit of hesitation, because if you're anything like me, those words may have had a little bit of trauma tethered to them, because nothing about this previous year added up. Nothing about this previous year, it seemed like the things that we counted on can no longer be counted on. It's like, Jay, I'll, I'll let you know. If it's happy, come March, because if my March 2021 is anything like my March 2020, I might have to give you a different word other than happy. Jay, it'll be happy when my kids get back to school, when my job calls me back, when everything goes back to normal or when there's a vaccine that works and I feel better and I'm out of this house. Oftentimes, we we look to our conditions, which are conditional, to determine and dictate whether or not something is actually worth counting on. If it's giving me more control, if it's going to give me more comfort, then, quite frankly, it must be trustworthy it must be able to be counted on but if it leads me to more inconvenience then perhaps something is not going to add up what do you do when the thing that you're counting on does not necessarily add up and so my wife and i we were planning this amazing amazing trip all three kids were going to go with us to disney world y'all This is the most magical place in the world, and so you can imagine, uh, I got two of my kids, two of my three kids are girls, so I'm a proud girl dad, and so I've just kind of took on the mantle of being a Disney daddy, and so I've got conditions that are perfect. Isn't it funny that we always plan for perfect conditions, but very rarely do we plan for those conditions to end up perfecting us. So this is the first year that we are flying on a vacation with an infant because we want to make sure that if it's going to be a perfect vacation, I don't want to be inconvenienced with driving 20 hours in a car with three kids in the back seat. And so we dotted every I and crossed every T. I mean, details double-checked. We made it to the airport ample time, and we had every detail planned out. Ironically, we always plan for the details. Very rarely do we actually plan for the delays. What we could not account for in this vacation was the storm that was going to sweep into Maryland and also Florida. So now we're stuck. We're stuck in this airport, and we've already checked in, and so they, they put us in this small little waiting room, and so we're literally in this uncomfortable room. It's humid, and I'm sweating shoulder to shoulder with complete stress strangers. And I'm like, "Just get me out of this room. I'm ready to board this plane." Finally after a couple of hours, we board the plane, and the plane was really small. And I'm talking about really small. And so I'm trying to squeeze my shoulders in together so that the people walking up and down the aisles would stop bumping into me. But luckily, I'd already made a plan. It's only going to be an hour and a half flight. And so finally we make it to Florida and It's late, I got off this uncomfortable plane and I look at the rental car that that we were supposed to get and it's a compact car. And I'm thinking to myself, I've already been uncomfortable in the airport, in the room, and on the plane. I'm not gonna drive around being comfortable for the rest of the time here in Florida. And so, me being myself, I upgraded. Now my wife is the the queen of details, so she actually planned for every dollar on this vacation. What she did not account for was my impulsive decision-making skills. And so, you can imagine the look on her face when I said, hey babe, I spent an extra $300 Because I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to be in control. And so obviously, there were some things that we could not plan for now because I spent that money, but I'm comfortable. It's now late. I didn't account for being in Florida so late, and we're driving in a place I've never been before. And my daughter is losing her mind in the backseat, just crying because we didn't account to be this late, to be this delayed. And my wife is trying to console her. And finally, she cried so much, she ended up throwing up all over herself and y'all I almost lost it because we had to go find another place a parking lot so that we can change her and at that moment I said I wanted out of this airport I wanted out of the room I wanted out of this plane and then I felt like I had control so I upgraded in this SUV now I want out of this SUV and the place that I felt like I needed to be in Florida I can care less I just want out maybe you felt exactly like that I want out of this year. I want out of this depression. I want out of this feeling. I want out of this this cycle. I want out of this hurt. I just want out. You know, when things are not going our way and conditions are not lining up, it shows who truly is in control. Because the one that's in control is the one that's in charge of doing all of the counting there was a physician by the name of Luke. He was a follower of Jesus, and you would imagine a person who would be good at counting would have to be a doctor. Someone who would be good at the details would have to be someone like Luke, and so Luke gave an account of Jesus' life, his miracles, his teachings, his death, burial, and his resurrection, and so he wrote a book in the Bible called The Gospel According to Luke, and in his book, he was writing to a primarily pagan Greek audience, and he used his account as an evidence that Jesus is the son of God. And so in chapter two, he gave an account of a count, a census that took place in a town called Bethlehem. And we're gonna go on that story in Luke chapter two. He says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That's a lot of counting. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Cyria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth. In Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David and he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Now. Caesar Augustus was born Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian. Now that may sound familiar, Julius Caesar, perhaps you read about him in the history books, maybe you saw a documentary on him. Octavian was the grand nephew of Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was the emperor. He's the one that founded the Roman Empire. He was the one that was in control and when he had passed, he passed the baton over to Octavian. And now Octavian is the one that is in control and it wasn't until the Roman people actually tagged him with the name Augustus. They began to call him Augustus Caesar, exalted Caesar. They literally put his name in a prominent position of power. You, Caesar, are in control. You are higher above all other controls. You're in control. And and Augustus had the power to control the conditions of people because one of the things that he was most famous for was the famed Pax Romana which is the great Roman peace that spread all throughout the Mediterranean Sea. But one thing that he was most famous for that perhaps he didn't even know he became famous for was this simple count, a census that would give an account of every able-bodied person in bethlehem and in the surrounding region i mean this is the ultimate display of control because now i can control conditions for people because this census was to levy the taxes of the people to increase taxes for the people for a group of people like the romans they would have a a much more promising condition but for the jews not so promising and so you can imagine just how accurate this count had to have been because if you miscount You're actually going to miss out on some money, but no matter how accurate the count and no matter how in control Augustus was, there was a lot of things that he could not account for. Like he couldn't account for the conditions of all the people that he was accountable for, like a couple, Joseph and Mary, traveling from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. He couldn't give an account for all the conditions. No matter how much in control he was, there was still a need for a recount in their conditions. So what do you do when the things around you seem out of control and the people that need to have control seems to not know how to count accurately in your life? What, what do you do when the thing that you're counting on is not adding up? Your, your conditions are not adding up. I can't count on my emotions anymore. I can't count on my finances anymore. I can't count on those friendships anymore. What, what do we do? What if I told you that perhaps your inconvenience has already been accounted for? Maybe your delays and your discomfort has already been meticulously calculated. What if God could birth something supernatural in the midst of what seems to be a setback? And so I want to encourage us and I want to challenge us with with this to apply not just for this year, but we need to apply it in all of our life. And here's the principle I want to challenge us with today, and it's this, that we need to count on God. We need to count on God. I'm sure every single one of us would want to believe that, God, you can take even 2020, a setback, and I'm believing that you can make something supernatural come out of it. God, I'm believing that when people that are in control, They can't count accurately, and I can't count on them anymore, that God, it doesn't go beyond your control. But for us to count on God, that's absolutely impossible. Why is that? It's because you and I, we have a nature deep within every single one of us that literally makes an emperor of someone else in our hearts other than God. It's almost like the Roman people. I'm gonna make an emperor, an Augustus of my desires. And I'm gonna give the control to my desires and take the control away from God. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an Augustus of my depression, of my addiction, of my relationship. Now they're exalted over God's control, but giving the control over to anyone else, counting on anyone else other than God, there's always going to be a need for a recount. There's always going to be a miscalculation of our conditions that leads us to our own destruction and ruin. All of this is due to what biblical authors call sin. Sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is. It literally means to miss the mark. We misplace control. We misplace the count and place it on someone else but God. God loved us so much that he knew that we would give the control over to our shame, our guilt, and our sinful nature that would lead us to destruction. He was so in control that he gave an account for our mistakes already and planned for the provision of his son as a sacrifice and a payment for our penalty. And so Jesus would be born in this place called Bethlehem, the house of bread, so that Jesus would become the bread of life, God being the ultimate ruler, the one who's ultimately in control, did not come to take like Augustus did to tax us, but rather he gave us his son to take on our penalty, take on our shame, and in his death, burial, and resurrection, he defeated death once and for all. So that those that will believe in Jesus by faith would not just be forgiven, but would be set free and be granted everlasting life. How does this work? God's spirit makes his home into our spirit the spirit that makes an augustus out of our desires that leads us to destruction It moves out and now god becomes the emperor of our hearts Now he is the one in control now He is the one that is in charge of counting every detail of our lives So how do we truly count on god? This is what luke says in luke chapter 2 So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. In order for us to count on God, we have to rely on his timing here, here's Augustus. He's plotting and planting. He's planning meticulously when this count is going to occur, how this census is going to be executed and who is going to be impacted by it. This is the ultimate display and the show of his will, his power, and his control. But God used this display and show of control by Augustus to show who's truly in charge. He used that control of power to accomplish his promises, which was spoken to a messenger by the name of Micah. God promised that the Messiah, the chosen one of God, would be born in Bethlehem. And this is what Micah says in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. It says, but you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, someone who's greater than the emperor, no matter what year, whose origins are from of old and from ancient times. This promise was spoken 700 years before the time Jesus was even born. Their trouble was only a revelation of God's timing. How how do you get a couple who is extremely pregnant at this point to leave Nazareth, their place where they're living? to Bethlehem. This is not a comfortable condition. This was about a 70 to 80 mile journey, which is about four to seven miles in those times through rough terrains with a very pregnant wife when my wife was pregnant doctors told us don't travel far farther than you are comfortable to drive close to a hospital nearby and so here they are they're having to travel four to seven days out of their way why because in those days the senses that was taken for the Romans they could just they, they can be counted right where they were living, but for Jews they had to go where their ancestors were from this drove Joseph to have to go to Bethlehem. God took something that was outside of of, of joseph 's control to show that he could truly be counted on and and, and he took their trials to show them that I 've got my own timing. But Mary didn't even have to go with Joseph. It was only Joseph's family, not Mary's family that belonged to Bethlehem, but she had two choices. I can stay here and I can operate in my timeline. I can operate in my timing, which is comfortable. I'm comfortable here right now. I'm more in control of this environment. I like my timing right here. I can take my time and have my baby here, but I will miss out on the promises and the blessing of God in my life. She could either be comfortable Or she can count on God. She couldn't be both. You and I, we have the same options. We can be comfortable in our own timing or we can be comforted knowing that we can rely on God's timing. Knowing that when it becomes inconvenient in our life doesn't mean that we're not still on his time. It, when, when we experience setbacks in our life doesn't mean that we're still not on schedule. When when plans don't pan out our way, it doesn't move past the promises and the plans of God in our life. God cannot only see the, the obstacle but he also sees the outcome. So I have friends of mine and family members of mine who live In another country. They're literally living in a different time zone, timeline. So, my, my family lives in the Philippines. They're 12 hours ahead. So, when I call them at night, it's actually their day. And my day is not their day. And so, at times when I have to call my mom and say, Hey, Ma, good morning, even though it's nighttime where I'm at, because they're already morning. But sometimes my mom forgets where I'm at. And she'll call me during the day in her time and says, good morning, son. What are you doing today? Mine's 10 o'clock. I just finished feeding the kids and we're ready to go to bed. Why is she saying that? Because she's already passed that day. God's already passed that time. God is not restricted by our time frame and our timeline. He's on a different watch, y'all. And when we count on him, we can rest assured that he knows what time it is. Secondly, is this, this is what Luke says in chapter two. It says So Joseph also went out from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David to count on God. We have to remember his faithfulness. We have to remember God's faithfulness in our life. Joseph had to go back to the home that he had left behind. He lives in Nazareth now. Joseph had to go back to the past that he thought he was already past. I got to go to Bethlehem, the city and the town of David. Bethlehem knew David. David was one of the most famous and victorious kings. I wonder how many people in Bethlehem knew about Joseph. Joseph. David knew knew the people of, of, of Bethlehem. But here's Joseph stuck living in Nazareth. David was a king, Joseph was a carpenter. You ever feel like that? I feel like I don't belong and I'd rather just live where I'm at. I'd rather just live in my chaos. I don't belong to peace. I, I I'd rather just live in my past. I can't, I can't belong there. I, I don't I don't have a view for my future. I'd rather stay and live in this pain because it's comfortable for me. God literally used what looked like a setback for him and his family as a setup to remind him. Joseph, I'm still the same God, I'm faithful Luke later on in in Luke chapter 3, he actually writes the genealogy of Joseph and how, how he was connected from Joseph all the way down to David, 42 generations, every detail every descendant dotted so that he would be connected to the house of the king because the setback allows us to look back and realize who we belong to, I belong to the house of the king i belong there i may be living here but i belong there and it would have been really really easy for luke to stop counting I mean, that's 42 generations that Joseph could count on God's goodness, God's faithfulness in his life. But Luke didn't stop there. He continues to count 35 more generations after David, 77 generations total. And this is how he finishes the genealogy in verse 38 of chapter 3 he says the son of enosh the son of seth the son of adam and and watch this the son of god that setback not only allowed him to look back that i belong to the house of the king but I also belong and I'm a child of God. I'm reminded that, that the same God in the beginning is the same God that's gonna see me to the end and I can count on his faithfulness. The same God that saw me from the start is the same God that has planned for me to experience his promises in the finish don't allow your setbacks to stop you allow your setbacks to cause you to look back at God's faithfulness in your life do you know who you belong to do you know whose house you belong to you can count on God you can count on on him in the midst of your inconvenience he's still on the throne he's still the king he's already calculated every trial every trouble and it's only going to reveal his timing for your life you can count on him because you can look back at the year that should have crushed you but you're still here at the pain that should have annihilated you but you're still here you're still right on his time if you count on him maybe you're here today and you're saying jay i know where i'm living but i want to belong where where you're telling me where god is And the only way that we can truly belong to God is by first giving God that control, counting on God through faith in Jesus. And if that's you today, you never made a decision to follow Jesus and make him the Lord and savior of your life. Would you make that right now? And if you're making that decision right now, here's what I want you to do. Would you text Jesus to 41411? Maybe you're, you're here and you've already made that decision. Let me ask you, what, what place in your heart, what place in your life have you, have you elevated an Augustus over God? Have you given control over to something else other than God? What area of your life right now is God saying, I want control over that. I want you to count on me because you can count on his love. You can, you can bank on his promises. You can bank on his peace. You can bank on his faithfulness in our life because he can be counted on. So at this moment, would you allow the spirit of God to speak to your heart? Would you pause? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.